Hey guys, welcome to Hope It Helps. Today's guest is Luna El Khaldi. Luna is the co-founder and co-host of Mishbil Shibshib, a podcast that focuses on parenting where, along with her co-host Wissam, discuss their journeys in raising their own kids. The goal is to educate and provide parents with a new perspective on raising kids in today's digital world. She also holds a master's degree in psychology and is working towards becoming a digital well-being coach to support other parents in managing their kids' use of technology. During this episode, we discuss her journey with the podcast, we talk about how parenting has changed, the challenges managing and educating children on using technology, and the role of a digital well-being coach. And the last message she wanted to share is give yourself grace and never stop learning. Please welcome to the show, Miss Luna El Khaldi. Thanks, Khaled. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I really appreciate it. So, Luna, like a lot of my previous guests, it's funny sometimes how, you know, we got here. Um, so uh, just some background, guys. Uh, me and Luna got in touch for some other work, you know, for something new that she's cooking up that we're going to get into a little <laughs> bit later. Um, and we spent, I think, like an hour, an hour on the phone. It was like an intro, like business call in a way. <laughs> and it turned out to be anything but that. Um, and uh, took a, we found out a little bit more about what she does. She's also a podcaster. Um, they have a podcast called Mish Bil Shib Shib, which is probably one of the best names you could have you know, ever come up with. Thank you. <laughs> um, and uh, she's got a couple other things going on. Um, but We'll get into it all in a little second, but so why don't you give all of us, Luna, before we start, a little bit of background about yourself, and we'll take it from there. Okay. I, I hate these background questions because they're so complicated. I'm like, do I give the short version or the long version? <laughs> <laughs> I leave it. It's up to the guests. You, you, whatever, you, whatever you think works best for you. In a nutshell, my name is Luna. I'm a mom to two adorable kids. I have a teenager, a 13-year-old daughter, and a 10-year-old son. I've... Uh, I grew up in <clears throat> a lot of places. So being a child of war, Gulf War, born in Kuwait, lived in Kuwait, Jordan, Spain, Abu Dhabi, um, Canada, New York, Saudi, and Dubai. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and this is the longest stretch I've spent anywhere in Dubai the last 10 years. Okay. So the close second before that was six years. Um, I did not... <clears throat> Sorry, it's too early. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I didn't grow up in, um, I mean, I didn't study the thing that I'm doing right now, podcasting. Mm -hmm. I actually uh, studied business, uh, e-commerce, and I used to work in uh, media and marketing Okay. when I first graduated. And then when I had my first child, I'm like, corporate life is just not for me. It's not going to work you, out. You just can't, you know. I, <laughs> yeah. had, I felt it was a choice um, between being there for my daughter whenever she needed me. Yeah. And not at somebody else's beck and call. And, you know, with media and marketing, like, it's just brutal. We used to stay in the office to, like, anywhere, 10 to midnight, sometimes yeah. more, depending, client brief or, yeah. <laughs> or deadlines or whatever it was. So that wasn't going to happen. And... Um, yeah, I can, uh, I can tell you more about how I got into Mishba Shibshib uh, maybe a bit later, depending on your questions. Well, uh, yeah, where do you want to take this? Uh, that's actually <laughs> exactly where we're going to start. So um, why don't you tell all of us, first of all, where did this, the story for Mishba Shibshib come from? Like, besides, like, how did you get to the name? Where did the idea come, come from? And what was the, I guess, decision for it to be in Arabic as well, which okay. is something that is kind of lacking over here? So Mishba Shibshib isn't solely my podcast. Um, I'm a co-host and co, 
owner, producer, you know, of the podcast. Um, it kind of was born out of um, the desire to want to raise my daughter uh, differently than the way I was raised. So it all started when my daughter was in uh, KG1. She was she had just turned four, and she had a friend in class who was um, obsessed with National Geographic. Okay. At, at four. four, wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And he used to teach her a lot of things, and she would come home every day, and she would, you know, tell me about, you know, the mummies and the pharaohs and like all sorts of brilliant things that come out of four-year-olds' mouths. And then one day, I was upset about something, and. Um, I reacted quite harshly, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I used to lose my temper. And when my mom was, when I was younger, my mom used to pride herself on, yeah, I lose my temper quite fast, but I also calm down really fast. And uh, she was a very loving mom, very kind. I love yeah. my mom to bits and pieces. Uh, but it's something I always say, they did the best that they could with what they had. Oh, for sure. And for what sure. we have today is a wealth of knowledge. So we can't ignore that. So back to my daughter, she's one day I got mad and she's like, mommy, you're just like Mount Vesuvius. And I look at my husband, I'm like, what the hell is Mount Vesuvius? He's like, he's on the floor laughing at this point, right? And I'm like, he's like, it's a volcano. And I laughed and cried. Literally, I cried Mm. my heart out that night. I'm like, this is not what I want to do. So um, that you can say that was clearly the turning point. That was the start of a new chapter that literal defining moment of me being called a volcano by my four-year-old and I'm like there must be a better way um so I'm naturally very curious I have a thirst for knowledge I'm always reading always learning and I started to learn about parenting I think the first book I read was how to talk so kids will listen and listen so kids can talk or so kids will talk And uh, through my daughter's school, the counselors actually used to give uh, something called Talk Tuesdays, where they would teach you about the whole brain child, and I don't know what. But I also used to post a lot of articles on Facebook. Whatever I would learn, I would share. Share, yeah. A friend of mine called Wissam, we went to university together, we went to McGill. Uh, One day he calls me out of the blue. And he's like, uh, Luna, we're starting a podcast. I'm like, Mabruk, you know, congrats. And he's like, no, no, we, you know, I'm like the collective we, who's we? He's like, you and me are starting a podcast. I have a lot of problems. You post a lot of good solutions and uh, I've tried them and they work, but we're doing it in Arabic. I'm like, whoa, whoa, slow down. (laughs) Now that conversation took about two years of him trying to convince me um, because at the time, the reason he called, I had put up a post on Facebook saying, I'm thinking of starting a kid's blog, you know, sharing everything that I learned. Who'd be interested? And Everyone was interested. Um, but he convinced me that the the Arab world is lacking in these resources, these very resources. He's like, you start a blog, you're going to be one out of like a million parenting blogs out there. You know, there are no resources in Arabic. So let's be um, like the translating resource. So... Um, that's where it started, literally. Um, he's like, I love performing. I've been wanting to do something creative for a while. He's a stand-up comedian, and amongst other things. Um, and so, yeah, I was like riding a bicycle. At first, the Arabic thing was just 
insanely difficult because we used to write our episodes in English and then translate them to oh, Arabic, wow. ironically. Okay. <laughs> I mean, how do you translate resilience and uh, whole brain child <laughs> and uh, all these wonderful but, you know, very difficult terminology into Arabic? So, yeah. That's how it started. Okay, okay. That's a very interesting story. What were, why were you hesitant for so long? What was it after, like, what were, like, what made you get to the point that you're like, okay, you know what? No, I actually, like, wanted to Yeah, I, um, what was I doing at the time? I can't remember, but I was hesitant. First of all, um, I'm a private person, believe it or not. Like, w once I meet someone and I'm friends, I, I would, I could talk for hours, but I didn't know if I wanted to share, uh, personal stories with the world mm -hmm. and because that's what the podcast entails so we share our struggles as a mom and a dad he has four kids I have two and we share what we learn um, and what we've implemented but it's mostly like the podcast is mostly about self-growth and how we changed and how you change your mindset and mentality and how you set a goal and how parenting isn't just something that you stumble upon and you just you have to be intentional you have to be um <clears throat> here i am using have to's and shoulds something that we really shouldn't be doing um <laughs> it would be great if parents were more conscious ah, there you go. okay you got it okay <laughs> it would be great if parents were more conscious and more um intentional in their parenting when you say intentional what do you mean exactly i mean you set an intention that you know let's say the first time you lose it at your kids right and you go that didn't feel good i don't want to do that mm. right that's an intention if but, but you just got to go a little bit further explore the feeling where is it coming from why are you yelling in the first place what is it about the situation that drove you insane and is there something that you can do because I know for a fact no parent enjoys the frustration of of yelling at their kid or butting heads with them or, you know. And one of the very first pictures I posted on our Instagram was this wonderful quote that I had seen online. And it was, my, parent, my child isn't giving me a hard time. My child is having a hard time. And it's just about re a, reframing, yeah, reframing exactly. the situation that you're looking at. Mm. If we're going to look at our kids like, oh, you know, and this is how I used to look at my kids, you know, like, oh my God, you know, I never sleep. I'm so tired. It's, once you start on a journey of self-education about parenting, <clears throat> you start to see and learn all these things that perhaps were not part of uh, how you grew up or not part of your vocabulary and it's a wonderful journey to be on. So, yeah. That's, uh, I love that example uh, about reframing everything. Do you think that, because I think, like you said, you have to go, like there's the intention, but you have to go a step further yourself as the parent to kind of understand, okay, like why have I responded in this way? Mm -hmm. Why is that going on? That's a, on, on the face of it, that sounds great, but, I think, especially in maybe our societies, how, how me and you grew up and the mentality of back then, uh, I, if I'm a betting man, I'm going to bet. Like if I spoke to like people's parents about that, they'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to explore what feeling, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, that's on a whole separate conversation is like therapy and mental health. Like, what is this? You know what I mean? So uh, maybe in other places is different. Maybe in other societies is different. But, you know, uh, like us now having kids and whatever okay we can implement these new things but the older generation i don't see that happening 
So you're actually spot on about how um, there's this idea that our culture, our collectivist culture, where it's very important to think about your relationships outside your immediate nuclear family, right? So, so you've got your, obviously, the husband and wife and their kids, but then you've got the grandparents, mm-hmm. the aunts, yes. not even the aunts, the aunties will, that are not even related to you yeah, and yeah. their opinion. And it's like, what do you mean you're coming home at 10 p.m.? What are the neighbors going to say when they see you coming out of a taxi at 10, 10 p.m., right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll tell you something. The biggest driver of why I do what I do and we've we ha- one of our initial episodes was about um, goal setting. The biggest driver of why I do what I do is is a oh sentence we used to hear, which yeah. in English is like, what are people going to say if yeah. they yeah. heard that or saw that or exactly. thought that, yes. right? Like a girl's yes. reputation. Another sentence we always used to hear is, you know, a girl's reputation is like glass once it's like... Um, it's not even shattered it's like the minute it's like slightly cracked it never goes Mm. back these phrases have a detrimental effect on a human being and our parents didn't know any better because culture and what people think and say about you and this this culture of shame where your value as a human being is determined mostly by extrinsic motivating factors like what are people going to say or what is the reward of what you're going to do or you know how valuable is what you're doing to society or how it makes you look versus are you actually a happy content person um do you enjoy your life are you living for yourself are you free in your thoughts and your minds so these are some really huge topics that I want to say our parents at first were against it. Shu the gentle parenting. Like, mm-hmm. you're making your kids all like, uh, you know, soft and, and, and spoiled. You're spoiling a child. And I'm not going to lie. At first, we had a lot of resistance. At first, when I was raising my kids when they were younger, it was insanely difficult because my kids had a routine because that's what worked for us. And I educated myself on that and I learned about it. And so, but when we traveled, because it interfered with everybody else's schedule, what do you mean? It's a holiday. She doesn't have to sleep at 7 p.m., right? Like, why are you so strict? Why are you so rigid? And and these things hurt and they affect you. And they affected my um, confidence and in your, being a parent. And your judgment. And my judgment. Mm. However, I stuck through it. Why? Because I, when I started the story, I was telling you the one thing that drove all of this was that when I was a kid, I led a double life. All right? I was a straight-A student. I was the perfect child. I heard a lot from what I knew my parents and society expected of me, and I was very clever to act a certain way. But as a result, I wasn't close to anyone in my family. I was very lonely until my my mid-20s, right? And so when I had my daughter, I had vowed to myself that, like, if you picture your your future or if you picture your how you want your relationship to look like with your kids in the future, I used to watch movies as a kid and be like, why is it that American families have this, like, ideal 
not American families, but like the movies that we saw in English, yeah, right? I got you. And in general, individualistic societies where they value, and I'm not saying one is better than the other. I actually have a huge appreciation for our culture and our collectivist society. But there's one thing where they value a child. For us, a child is an afterthought in our culture. It's like, when they grow up, we'll like become friends and we, you know, we'll be proud of them and they better be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer and mm-hmm. oh, you're an artist or a dancer, God forbid. Yeah. What are you, you going to do with your life? What are oh you going to do with oh your life? God. What are you going to be? Is it going to make money? Mm. Anyway, I wanted, all I wanted was that when my daughter grew up, she would want to be close to me. She would want to tell me things because she, we had a good relationship. And so that's what I've been working for continuously for the past 13 years. And I'm happy to say that I have that now. I'm so lucky. I'm, I'm aware about how, how lucky I am. But it's not just luck. It was a hell of a lot of hard work, you know, a lot of reading, a lot of... So this is back to the intention. I mm. My intention was to be close to my kids. My yeah. intention was for my kids to feel safe at home. Um and that they can be who they want to be and express themselves without me going, Ayyub, you can't mm. say that. And, you know, like, Ayyub, which means unacceptable or shame on you. Or, yeah, shame you know? on you, exactly, yeah. So, yeah, that's the story behind Mishbashibshib and what we do. And the beautiful thing about Mishbashibshib and the reason I feel that it's been successful and it's been going on for so long is we talk about these things. We bring them to light. Today's generation of Arabs and... um while all of us cherish and love our culture, because none of us say like, oh, we hate being Arab and we hate our no, culture. Of not. Yeah. It's our culture. We Absolutely. love it. It's yeah. part of us. But why not take these Western notions, what, what suits us, what works for us, what's been proven through science and research, and adapt it to the Arab world? And this is exactly what Mishpashibshib does. We take these Western research ideologies and and thoughts and processes and things that have been studied about parenting and child development and the brain and and once we understand why our kids are doing what they do why they quote unquote throw tantrums and and you know um just understanding the the stages of development that kids go through forces you to look at this child differently so we can keep our traditions we can keep our cultural ideations and we can inject in them the benefits that we get from other cultures and other, uh, you know, societies and be better parents, you know? Yeah. Oh, so many things to talk about there. I know. Um, I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry at all. It's fantastic. Um, first of all, like you said, like you're an Arab, I'm an Arab. I love our culture. I'm very proud. Is there, but uh, am I going to say, is it like perfect? Absolutely not. No. But just on like the other side, it's not perfect They're not either. They're not perfect either. No. So one thing that I've always been <clears throat> like, um, what's the word? Advocating for? Yeah, in a way, like when I speak with my parents, whatever, like they grew up, I guess, in a way that these are the rules for life. Play by the rules. Mm. And I'm like... You don't necessarily, like, okay, maybe in this situation, sure. But in this situation, maybe you don't have to. Um, and I think you can cherry pick and do whatever you feel feels right for you. Asan, I think, I'm not a parent yet. Mm-hmm. But I think when you become <clears throat> become a parent, then I guess you have the, what's the word? It's up to you now to kind of cherry pick to see how you would have wanted to maybe grow up or you know develop or for example the thing you talked about 
I'm gonna try not to swear. This is for me the um, the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life because yeah. this is why. And I hear it even till I hear it till until today. today. Yeah, I hear it till today. It doesn't because go away. Because it val- it puts it puts your internal value on somebody else instead of it being yourself. Yes. You know? Yes. And I, I my oh, my argument and like I use it as a joke now. You know, if I say something, I'm like, make sure to tell the nas. You know, mm. like they they have to know because they've been involved in so many other other things. Um and. When it comes to the, like that specific thing, I have a very like personal. We thing all with have it. a visceral <laughs> yeah, yeah. reaction to that sentence. I have a very personal sentence. thing with that because <laughs> because I'm like, there's no way this these nasty people are sitting in their living rooms, like wherever they are in the yeah. world here, or whatever, and they're not gonna make decisions and do things because like now I, I would be the nasty, for example, in this situation because of like me. That's so ridiculous. Like, no, why would I ever like do that? Like, and if they are, why are they so petty and have nothing in their life to do other than sit and, you know, sit on their balconies watching who comes and goes? And you know what? You know what? Listen, listen let's just be fair. Our parents grew up in a, in a time and age where life was so much slower, where it was t- teeny tiny communities. Yeah. If you can imagine with me, like sitting al balcon on the balcony. Mm sipping their afternoon coffee or tea and eating the fresh fruits and literally people watching, watching people come and go. And so with the lack of, um, and these are the benefits and like and, and negatives of the change in society from something very slow to something insanely fast, which is a society in the digital world, the digital era that we live in today, right? Yeah. So back then, um, they they stop and stare and literally because like you 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 couldn't break free yes, from that because exactly. they were your everything they True. were all around you. True. And so that's how their brain has been programmed. However, we can change that because life is just moving way too fast. First of all, second of all, the information is at our fingertips. We cannot just sit and say, "I'm going to raise my kids the way my parents raised me." Um, I mean, just think of it. Your parents raised you way better, not way better, but just differently to how their own parents raised them because that is life. Technology comes in in the form of books and medicine and education and whatever it is. Mm. And for us, it's internet and VR and it's just going to continue to be changing. Um, So the only constant here is change, honestly. So today we have to raise our kids to be good digital citizens in an ever-changing world. So here's an interesting thing. In the beginning, my mom would send me, uh, send me. She would say things like, uh, "You know, your kids are going to be spoiled," or all that stuff that they used to say, right? However, my mom has met TikTok, so now my mom has a TikTok account, right, and an Instagram account. And last year, it was like, "What is this Instagram?" Oh, so stories are different than real. So she's learning, mm-hmm. right? But now that her friends and everybody shares TikTok stories and Instagram stories and everything on on, Inst- on WhatsApp, even the older generation yes. is hyper-connected, yeah. right? And so funny, funny story just happened yesterday. My mom sends me a video of a guy talking about how in the year 2040, 2050, a bunch of jobs are going to be obsolete and they're not going to exist and you should start raising your kids... This is a Saudi man mm. in Arabic, like speaking in Arabic. 
uh, a bunch of jobs are not going to exist anymore and you should start training your children to be resilient and open-minded and open to change. Uh, Mom, I wrote that episode and we talked about it about a year and a half ago, (laughs) right? Just to show you like... So even they're coming around is my point, (laughs) right? Eventually, everybody is going to come around because today the information is shared. So even the older generation is changing their mind. Yeah. And I, but look, I on the like on that notion, and to be fair, I do get where they were coming from. And like you, like you said, they, when they grew up, their communities were local. Like next, like exactly. the person next door, you know, knows you know everything about their life. They know everything about your life. You know, your community was small, and probably at the time more conservative, and so on. And now, like you said, things are there's like there still are communities, but it's. It's much, much bigger, even here. The boundaries are blurred. Thank you. Exactly. I think that's, you said it, I think you said it perfectly. Um, and I think when, funny about like TikTok, even when I, when I started this podcast uh, two and a half years ago, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, guys, because it was, co- I just moved back. It was COVID. COVID had just hit and I'm like, okay, no one's hiring anything now. Um, and I've always wanted to start a podcast. So I'm like, now seems like the right time to do it. I just started. And my parents are like, what the fuck? A pod? A pod? What? <laughs> Broadcast. <laughs> They're like, what is it? Why do you want to do it? Who would listen to you? Mm. Who would listen to you? Like, why would someone like, why do they care? Whatever. And fair. All fair points. Okay. And it's funny that now, two and a half years later, um, my my mom has like got me guests she's like she tells oh, Ibn Hindu podcast you know like you know it's it's so she's funny proud of you. yeah but it's so funny how it's so funny how with time and I guess effort things have changed and they yeah. see now oh well and like now they know about podcasts and they find podcasts that they like and TikTok you know I hear them like we could be sitting in the room and there's three of us every single person yeah. on TikTok yeah um, so it's just it's it's really funny how, <laughs> how times things change. change. Yeah, they do. Um, coming back to just Mr. Shipship for a second. So you guys have been running for the last uh, four years, mm-hmm. and um, I was thinking when you started, and it's your podcast is very unique and it's interesting in a certain sense because you've been going through parenting and like and through the podcast simultaneously so i'm mm. curious so when you because you reach you do the research about okay this episode is going to be about this so you're learning about maybe for example the one i listened to about sleep mm. and about you know giving the child attention and not, so on we're, and we're going to get to that because it's a very interesting <laughs> topic um has your experience discussing these things on the podcast and doing this research changed the way you parent your children like in real time I think it's the other way around. I think okay, okay. I think the things that I learn and how my parenting has changed <clears throat> that has shaped the podcast. <clears throat> Sorry. No problem. So I think the way that the way that the way that I my children are growing and the things that I learn. So basically, the wonderful thing about parenting <laughs> is that it's never the same season ever like okay so when we started the podcast it was very much about the recognition of um the things that you and i have been discussing earlier in the episode how our past is affecting our present and how we would like our future to be rooted in the past but evolving for the future right 
because there's a better way. There's definitely a better way. Nobody wants to get to the point that they're at now where they feel miserable. They feel like they're yelling. They're not happy with, you know, the way that they're parenting. And so I was really hungry for this knowledge. And so my initial books that I had read that shaped the way I think and feel were um, The Whole Brain Child by Dr. Dan Siegel and Tina Bryson, uh, their second book, No Drama Discipline, How to Talk So Kids Can Listen and How to Talk So Kids Will Listen and Listen So Kids Will Talk. There was, uh, so so these are the main books and Dr. Shefali Sabari's The Conscious Parent. These were the main drivers of the change in me as a parent and we some subsequently. Mm. Um, but as the ages and stages change, Okay, so there's this scientist called Piaget, and he invented children's developmental stages. As we are going through these stages, our ch- our children are changing as well. So it's like uh, you're building a building, and we set the foundations. So you, you have to learn the foundations. And then uh, new challenges arise, and you learn more. So I'm not going to go through the stuff in the middle, but like currently with our kids being teenagers... Our most read books are um, uh, Lisa Demore's uh, Under Pressure or uh, the seven st- Helping Girls Through the Seven Stages of uh, Transition from Childhood to Adulthood. I forget the name. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the name in a minute. Sure. But Lisa Demore is like a must, right? She's a okay. podcaster that I listen to. She's a child psychiatrist and educator and author. Then there was Jessica Leahy's um, The Gift of Failure. That was another book that changed the way I parent and the way I uh, treat my teenage daughter. So what I'm trying to say is that the podcast is evolving as we are evolving and growing as parents. Mm -hmm. And so because it's never a pushed narrative with the podcast. It is literally our journey of growth with these kids. Uh, Wissam has four kids. His first two are the same age as my two. And then he has a seven-year-old daughter and a three- or four-year-old son. So he's still in those stages, right? Um, and so, yeah, our, our, our lives shape the podcast, not the other way not around. Not the other way around. Okay. No, that, that, and, that makes sense. And if I may add, I think what people appreciate and love the most is that we're just like everybody else. We started the show saying we're not specialists. We're parents just like you and me. Um. I'm on my way to becoming a specialist now because it's it's fueled this desire to learn and grow so much that I pursued a master's in psychology two years ago. And I just graduated and now I'm doing more certifications. So it, it's nice to have started with nothing other than a hunger and thirst for knowledge and then applying that, seeing the results and then going, you know what? No, I do want to be certified. I do want to help people, right? Yeah. As a certified coach. because and, and another interesting fact about our podcast is that a huge chunk of our listeners are not married and they don't have kids. That's very interesting. Okay, I They're all university that. students. Not all. A big chunk of them is university students. Like 18 to 25? Yeah, kind of like, exactly. Okay. That's surprising. Because yeah. I was just about to ask you, like, in, okay, in terms of feedback, how's that been? Has it been something that really caught your eye or was it... Feedback is amazing. Like, because... I've wanted to quit so many times because it's hard work. It's we're we're literally we've it's been a passion project. We've been giving back. It's completely not sponsored or monetized or anything. And so at times when you get tired and life gets in the way, you're like, oh, I need to stop. I need a break. But we can't stop anymore because halas, it's a, it's a, 
there's a snowball effect going on right now. It's just, mm. it's the sheer number of emails that we get. Emails and messages from these people that I'm telling you, like teenagers in Saudi Arabia are listening to us. Girls that go to university here in Sharjah or Saudi or Egypt. We have fathers in Saudi and Egypt that are listening to us. Um, having Wissam is invaluable because as a father, he adds that Arab father Mental, yes. voice that's willing to grow and change and be vulnerable. People love the vulnerability of the show because we're not like holier than thou. We know better than you. You should listen to our advice. It's like, guys, there are people that are amazing. Yes, We're standing on the shoulder of giants. We're trying to get the message out there and trying to show you that it, it can be done. Yeah. People change. And yeah, we, you can get there. And I think what Sorry. makes your show um, quite relatable, like even the episode I listened to is, like you said, you're talking about your experiences with your children, you know, and maybe and the mistakes sometimes you made in the past that you wouldn't make now. Um, I like, <clears throat> sorry, like um, one thing that you said you regretted, like in the last episode, was when your when I let her cry it out. Your daughter, yeah, you let her yeah. cry it out, and like how now you know so much more, and you wouldn't have done that. Um, coming on to the psych- masses in psychology, and so okay, now I understand where that drive has come from but the interesting thing for me is i know you're also working to be a digital well-being coach Mm -hmm. so the curious thing is why is that the area that you're deciding to focus on again that's a good question um because my kids are growing my kids are growing into digital natives that's the official term used in all the papers (laughs) if you want to google it it's called (laughs) our kids are called digital natives okay And I firmly, to my core, believe that today you cannot be a parent without being a digital parent. Okay. You absolutely cannot. You cannot be far removed from the activities and the things that your children do online. And so my master's was, um, my master's was in psychology. And um, I found that in the last three modules, which was social and developmental psychology, applied psychology, and um, I forgot the last one, but anyway, where, you know, you can have an actual application of the things that you're learning, and we needed to write essays and research proposals based on the things we learned. One thing I learned is if you're going to do good in whatever you study, let it be something you're passionate about, right? Sure. So my last uh, four pieces of writing in my master's were all about Uh, being a digital parent or digital natives or anything surrounding that because I started my master's in the pandemic, October 2020, right? What happened then? Schools went online. Parents started to struggle all over the world. But something else was born. This, this, I don't want to use the term addiction, but this insane reliance of our children on their devices. And I'm not someone who's going to come and tell you all devices are evil, devices are bad, devices are causing a rise in depression and anxiety and suicide and all these scary headlines that you read. Because I read those headlines and I panicked. And I'm like, what the heck am I going to do with my kids? And it felt like a battle. Oh my God, there's so much to talk about this. But anyway, in a, in a, in a nutshell, 
my kids became obsessed with Fortnite over the pandemic. <laughs> sure. And while I kept saying, no, 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 I don't want you to have Fortnite. It's very aggressive. I don't know what. The nature of our relationship, which I worked so hard to get, is that they talk to us about everything. So if my kids are so passionate about something and they really want something, I'm going to sit my bum down and listen. You mm. know, what is it about it that you want? Everybody in school has Fortnite. <laughs> You're the only one who does that. Okay, can you name me a few people who have Fortnite? What's it like? Okay, you know what? I'm willing to download it and play a few episodes, a, f- a few games with you, and let's see what this is like. Hey, guys, this is actually fun. And then it was like the four of us playing Fortnite, my husband, my son, my daughter, and me. It's about having that open mind. And then what resulted from that is that because our kids were locked down, they couldn't go out. They were playing Fortnite in the living room. My rules were no talking to strangers. We we explained everything, you know, how to protect yourself online. Mm. It involved a lot of research on my part, a lot of going on common sense media, a lot of looking at cybersecurity experts because you're not going to take your kid, put them in a car and be like, here's your driver's license, congratulations, now go on a highway, right? Yeah. You drive the car with them. You get them a learner permit. You drive in the neighborhood at first and then you move on to slightly bigger roads and then you move on to the highway, right? And you're always a co-driver next to them at first. And this is exactly the same thing. I'm not going to take my kids, drop them at a rave in some warehouse in Al-Quz <laughs> and be like, have fun, I'll pick you up in three hours, right? And this was Fortnite. Yeah. But as a result, what happened was all these kids in their little living rooms everywhere, it was like the playground has become my living room. My Sorry, my living room has become the playground. Yeah. I could hear them, behind you! And it was... And instead of being upset about it, I was actually really happy because they were fulfilling some deep socio-emotional, socio-developmental need that lockdown was depriving them of. Yeah. Now, everything in moderation. If using devices is going to make kids... Um, not eat meals, not get off their devices, uh, not study, become aggressive, uh, become horrible to their parents. And I'm not going to lie. These are all things we went through, right? I really don't know what direction I want to take this conversation in because literally (laughs) there's a million things to talk about. There's your feelings as a parent. There's the unknown. There's your child and wanting them to feel open enough. Oh, another thing that comes to mind is all I could think of is Would I rather give my kid something that they really want, that they so truly, clearly really want, and teach them how to use it appropriately and responsibly? Or would I rather continue to say no out of fear and drive them to the point where they can't wait to go to a play date so that they can do the thing that they're dying to do in somebody else's house? Mm. And that was ultimately the driving force behind everything. Why? Because it aligns with my intention, which is I want my kids to feel comfortable at home, being the people that they are, doing the things that they love, and comfortable and happy enough to come and tell me anything and everything at any moment. Yeah. So so this is it. It's like a philosophy that you want to follow in life, and then everything and every stage and every developmental milestone for your kid just lays on top of that original foundation, which you've created by your goals and your intentions and you know, your childhood and your environment and what you wish for them for the future, etc. That's very, uh, it's very interesting that the, the timing of it is in line with where your kids are right now. Yeah. But also the topic of um, digital well-being, uh, I think from a, as a parent, you know, I th- all the things that you're talking about, 
I don't have kids, but I think about them. Yeah. I think about them all the they time. They apply like, to everyone. I'm they like, apply to us with yeah, digital yeah. well-being. And I, no, because I think like, how would I be with like my kid? Because like, I'm a gamer. I love games. Yeah. So if you want to sit inside and do that, I'm like, yeah, but also like, you know, go outside a bit, you know, like go, <laughs> go play some, go do some sports or whatever. So one thing that I think is um, very telling is, like you said, going with intention and layering on top of that and cherry picking what you think is right for you. There is no perfect formula. What you think is right for your kids, I might completely disagree from mine and that's yeah. perfectly, perfectly fine. Uh, perfectly Every fine. family is different. Exactly. Um, but I think, okay, this is something that I, I don't, okay, I'm not a parent, so I don't know. But I, in my mind now, as like Khalid, thinking about when I have children, I already have like, things that I would definitely like teach them uh, from a young age, you know, uh, things like how to be emotionally intelligent, how to be, you know, aware of yourself, how to, you know, how to also uh, be uh, uh, like, be very appreciative. That's something that is very important to me to understand that, you know, like this me we're having right now, whatever, because I think I'm speaking this again, this is my experience, you know, I grew up as I think um, a, a Dubai kid and it was only until late my late 20s that I got that life slap in the face like oh you're like no one cares I'm like oh okay that's now I know okay that's that good to know but I think there's internal biases I have just I think we all do every parent does because we were raised in a certain way with certain values and certain beliefs now there's the biases have different levels you know on some things you know i'll be like ah, i'm completely against it but on others you know i might i'm like maybe this is playing into it maybe it's not i don't know and i i just don't i can't imagine how challenging that is and as especially now as you and as they get older and stuff it's a consistent thing you have to be going through am i wrong or you're 100 percent right and you gave me like serious flashbacks because it's really funny. You, your kids come into the world and you're like, I'm going to be this and I'm going to be that. And no, sorry, sorry. I want my kids to be that. Yes, I want yes. them to eat healthy. I want them to be grateful. I want them to be appreciative. I don't want them to be spoiled. I don't want them to be, you know, uh, entitled or ungrateful yes, and yes. all of these things. Yeah. <sighs> the one thing I've learned... Khaled, and I'll give it to you <laughs> yeah, tell me. in a nutshell. <laughs> be the person you aspire your kids to be. So mm. you want them to be grateful, you become grateful. You want them to be kind and considerate, make that a part of your life. And mm. and so whatever it is that you want, you, you imagine for your kids to be, um, you need to role model it. So... Yeah, that's what that is literally the secret mm. sauce. There's nothing else. You're not going to be able to outsource it to somebody else. You're not going to be mm. able to put them in a club that's going to get them <laughs> to be, you know, more resilient or more active. You want your kids to be active. Yeah. They're not going to go to the gym and they're not going to want to do karate <laughs> and they're not going to want to do soccer or piano or violin or yeah. anything unless they're seeing that being modeled in their family. So what your values are naturally transpire down to your kids. And so one of the very first exercises I remember doing, uh, I don't remember when, when my kid was like really young, when my daughter was young. Um, sorry, one of my very first interactions with the term values, what are your values, mm. was in my daughter's school. So my daughter's school, 
they have their school values plastered along every wall on every lanyard i don't know what and the values are excellence integrity responsibility compassion and i'm missing one um integrity compassion excellence integrity and i don't know just five values okay <laughs> they're good values they're really good values and that got me curious i'm like hmm okay values a concept i had never thought of okay mm. we are raised to be kind and yes. compassionate whether it's your religion or your culture we're generally just a kind culture we're all about putting others ahead of yourself without really being taught what that actually means, by the way. It doesn't mean give yourself away and be kind to everybody to the point mm. that it bears you down to the bone. Like, you know, it's a lot of things we need to be talking to our kids about. But anyway, it was a conversation around values that I had with myself. I actually grabbed a pen and paper. I'm like, what are my values? What does that even mean? I had to Google it because these were conversations we never had growing up. We didn't have the vocabulary for it. The other thing that... Um, I start, basically what I'm trying to say is it took a lot of self-reflection because you go through your life up until your 20s, until you're done with university. I went through my life on autopilot, being the perfect kid, you know, getting the perfect grades, getting accepted with a scholarship into McGill and, you know, my third year of McGill, I'm like, there's a whole other life out here, yeah, you yeah. know, I stopped yeah, studying, sure. I was partying, I was having the time of my life got to my mid-20s, had like this, I don't even know what it was, but this like breakdown of who am I? Mm. Literally, mm -hmm. I had zero connection with myself. I had no idea who I was a part of my, aside from my family, yes. a part of being, you know, Najwa's daughter or, you know, my father's daughter, whatever it was. Um, and it was that self-reflection and growth that allowed me to realize who I was and what's important to me. So I'll tell you something. I still strive until today to incorporate movement into my life, right? It's something I struggle with all the time. And now I see it in my kids. My kids don't move a muscle. Like mm. my daughter will not. She, she moves healthily in terms of like she goes to school, she'll do activities and stuff, mm. things that interest her. And she plays in the park. Our chiropractor once told her, what do you like to do as sports? And she's like, nothing. He's like, how do you move every day? She's like, I go to the park, we play tag, I bike. He's like, that's movement. Whatever makes you happy, so long as you're moving. And, and I'm just trying to tie back to what you said. I want my kids to be blah, blah, blah. Mm. Your kids will end up being what you are on a, you know, plus their passions. Sure. So my son discovered his passion for basketball this very summer driven by shoes that we told him you want to buy those <laughs> shoes start start saving he saved up for like six months and then birthdays and gifts and errands and stuff bought the shoes and his dad was like since you love jordan so much there's this documentary about michael jordan on netflix do you mm -hmm. want to watch it with me watched it together now he can literally name every basketball player their height what age they started in their life story and then he got into basketball from being couch potato like sedentary zero movement to basketball so it's a, what i'm trying to say is it's a mix of things it's what they see yeah not what you say mm. and it's their passions and then somehow it's the environment that they're in this beautiful concoction of what your kids are going to be so 
I say work on yourself first before you decide what you want your kids to be. And that is literally why 20-somethings are listening to the podcast because we're just raising questions and opinions and and these things that, you know, re- these reflections that we've had that apparently are resonating with <laughs> 1.4 million <laughs> downloads, thankfully, you know, like we have 100,000 listeners a month and that's just, incredible i'm so humbled and so blessed to have the opportunity to lend a voice that's helping people yeah something i never dreamed i would possibly do and it's all thanks to wisam deciding that you know we're gonna start a podcast so special shout out to wisam special shout out um coming back to what you were talking about that because i've I've heard that too in the sense that you are the role model for your children whatever you set for yourself you set for them they Mm -hmm. can't it seems like there can't be like a contradiction, for example. Oh, they'll see right through that. that for example, if I'm <laughs> like a stupid example, but I think about this, I'm like, I, I'm a smoker, okay? Yeah. But my kid, I'm going to tell him. Don't, don't smoke. Like, it's don't bad smoke. For yeah, you. It, it is bad for you, but he's going to look at me like, bro, like, <laughs> what, are you, what are you, as you're smoking the cigarette, you're yeah. telling me this. Um, but like, just little things like that. So, and my cousin once said something because she has two kids as well, and she's like, and it was the most like true thing like I probably heard. She's like, we were raised in a certain way. Now we have kids. So now all the things that we wished we had or didn't have or whatever or lacked, whatever, now we put it, we're going to do that with our kids. And even with all that, with like the way we're going to do things, they're still, mess up. Yeah, there's still going to be holes that they're going to carry with them. And when they have kids, they're going to do the same like, oh, my mom or my dad didn't, didn't do this, whatever. And someone once said, I listened to this on a podcast with humans raising humans. Yeah. And I think that was the most like telling it is, thing, it's you know, because it's that's the reality of it. And that's how it is. And that's what we all make mistakes, no matter the age, no matter if you're a parent, no matter if you're a kid. Like, it's just yeah. it's just how it is. So, listen, one thing I think about a lot lately is the amount of pressure parents are under today. So while it's a huge blessing that we have all this information at our fingertips and we have all these amazing role models and we have all these insane Instagram accounts and it's endless, right? Mm. We are, you know, under a barrage of information all day and all night. Yeah. It's wonderful, but it's also a curse because it, if you don't um, streamline where you get your information and be intentional, you can drown in this information because a lot of yeah. it is uh, contradictory. A lot of it is, uh, you know, one one will tell you, give your kid a timeout because if they don't, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then the other one was like, timeout will be detrimental for them for the rest of their life. And they, you know. Um, if your kid doesn't sleep through the night when they're a kid, then they're going to be an insomniac for the rest. Everything is fear-based. Everything is... Um, I mean, amongst everything, I mean, all the information that hits you left, right, and center is contradictory. And so one thing we strive to do is tell parents to take every day with grace, focus on yourself and your well-being and your happiness because a healthy, happy, well-adjusted parent will raise, will have the capacity to interact Mm. with kids and then eventually raise well-adjusted kids. The other thing we talk about a lot recently is a concept I learned at 38 years old. I'm giving my age away. I'm <laughs> 39. <laughs> don't care. Age is nothing but a number. Um, I'm actually proud to, to say that I'm 39 and still on the beginning of this learning journey because mm. 
you know, you're only as old as you decide, right? That's true. That's true. So I only learned this concept at 38, and it's the concept of critical thinking, a concept no one ever spoke to me about, or you know, didn't exist. But in a in a world and culture where you're um, bombarded with information, left, right, and center, if you don't have a critical eye and a you know um, a moral compass, and you let that moral compass guide your critical thinking, you're gonna really struggle and you're yeah. going to really be lost yeah. under like high tide and it's a disaster so yes humans raising humans 1000 percent um because we're going to make mistakes i'm not saying that our generation because we know more and we have scientific evidence that we're going to struggle any less or parent any better um however you can be the best version of yourself that you could possibly be considering you're not straining yourself mm. but to get to that side it's like a rebirth it's like a look at me using fancy terms that my mom would be like what the hell <laughs> um <laughs> but it's true it's like it, not a rebirth a rediscovery of yeah. who you are and that rediscovery is not without pain and not without struggle it is extremely painful to go through this yeah. so this transformation of who i am today I look back at literally 10 years ago when we decided, nine years ago when we decided to start this podcast, actually, uh, or when I decide, when I started my path to, 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 to understand my kids and their child mm -hmm. development and all of that. That was nine years ago. I look at who I was then and who I am today, and I'm so proud and happy where I am today. But to tell you that it was some easy path, mm. I'd be lying to you. Yeah. There was depression in there. There was anxiety. There was mental health issues. There was having to see a therapist. There was having to deal with all my issues and traumas. And there was an insane amount of reading and decision to cut people and things out of my life and become this new person that I wanted to be. But what's my driver? It's my kids. Yeah. You know? You, they, they, they can make you the most amazing thing that you ever were. And they can also destroy you in the, <laughs> in the process, physically, mentally, and emotionally. But it's all worth it. Yeah. No, I'm, and I think every parent shares that, what you just said. It is all worth it. You yeah. know, um, I, like, sometimes I look at, like, my cousins and stuff, because they all have kids, and they're all, yeah. like, they all had them around the same age. So it's like a, they're like a team. It's like an army of them. Yeah, that's lovely. Um, which is really cool, because that's kind of how we grew up in a way. Um, and I look at them, I'm just like, like, I've always wanted to have kids, but when I look at that, and I'm like, like, how? You know, like, yeah. Habibi Ta, you know, sit with Amma Khalid, like, two seconds, whatever. All right, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> Take a device and go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There's mom and dad over there. Um, You're never going to like other people's kids until you, <laughs> you, you only genuinely, truly love your own. There's people who like kids and there's people who don't. I didn't like kids until I had my own, but now I truly love kids yeah, like yeah. I, because I'm so curious about them because to me they're like oh, you're this fascinating creature <laughs> to me right now yeah. but 10 years ago like, stay away from me yeah, yeah. <laughs> go to your mom with your grubby hands and snotty nose so yeah yeah um, but like you said I think um, one thing that I realized I've realized from this conversation even when I was doing my research is as you know generations go on as time moves forward as the world changes parenting philosophy is always going to change absolutely um there's no one right answer 
there's st stuff that worked before that doesn't work now and even in our discussion today there's certain things like okay no we would want to like change this or adjust that and so on um but all of this we must say we're giving a huge credit to our parents um because they mm -hmm. did what they did given their time and honestly we wouldn't be in the position we are without them so 100 percent. big shout out to the moms and the dads i love um, you mommy <laughs> um and I wanna, and <laughs> yes. um and coming back to um so coming back to the digital well-being coach mm. now as a digital well-being coach mm -hmm. First of all, that was the first time I'd heard like something like that existed or what that was. So yeah. what is your role? I would come to you for what? So a digital well-being coach. Um, the wonderful thing about this degree is that I can apply the things that I'm learning to anyone. It doesn't have to be parents and children, but that is where I'm choosing to take it. But on the program with me, um, the applications are endless. You can help people in companies. Uh, you can help uh, managers and, uh, you know, decision makers in how to set up companies that are more mindful of their people's time so that we don't get to that mental fatigue because of digital technologies during the day. Um, you can help uh, people who have internet addiction. I don't want to say addictions again, who are struggling, you know, reaching their goals. Yeah. Um, it's about finding what your values are here we're back again at values um it's something that is heavily taught which is you connect the person you help the, the client that you're dealing with connect to their values and what's important to them yeah in order to help them achieve their goals no matter what they are the reality is that these devices have been designed in a way to um keep us uh hooked it's a hooked model, For right? Sure. Yeah, it is. Um, because that's what makes money. Um, and so the digital well-being movement is kind of new. When I signed up, there was only 90 global digital well-being coaches, but now they're growing. The numbers are growing. And um, it's there for a reason. We're all struggling, not just our kids, but we're literally all struggling. I struggle. I keep my eye on how much I spend time online. And while I can argue and say that, all my time spent online is to increase my knowledge. So all my Instagram feed is like other psychologists, psychiatrists, mm -hmm. coaches, whatever. Yes, I learn a lot. But again, here's that negative drawback. Where do I draw the line where I, I stop consuming and start producing? Or where do I draw the line of <clears throat> I'm recognizing that I'm becoming so digitally fatigued by this. I'm starting to sense it in my shoulders. I'm starting yeah. to realize. Yeah, yeah oh, it's taking away from other things that I can be doing. I could be reading a book. I could be going to the supermarket. I, again, not to pressure, but it's just to align. What are your values? What are your goals? And how can I, as a digital well-being coach, help you merge the two sure. and reach your goal? Okay, interesting. Because, um, yeah, like you said, I, it is. it sounded like something quite new. I hadn't heard of it before. And I thought, given you know, um, you know, the podcast and your master in psychology, I thought it was specifically for like parents and children. I That's didn't, where I intend to take it. Yeah, yeah, okay. <clears throat> I didn't know that it was. It had so many more applications. Yeah. So, yeah. coming to the most important part of the conversation, which is, I think. Um, wow, we made them wait a lot. <laughs> How long are we going? Uh, in, in at least in my opinion, because this is something that I look at. This is something I see. This is something that I think every parent or parent to be can relate to yeah now 
regarding digital well-being and kids. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, you know, I see it all, all the time. Um, the, the iPads, you know, yep. the shows, you yep. know, the phones, you know, like... And screen stacking yeah the cre- got exactly the gaming and the zoom the netflix in everything. the background and from a, and from like a young age too um so i have a couple questions around this number sure. one because i see the it, it's also uh, kind of like because also in a, you have to look at it from both sides on one side if you're looking at it positively you said that our kids now are digital natives Natives. right so they are introduced to a technology at a much younger age and understand it on a level yeah exactly (laughs) they're born into it so they understand it 10 times more than you know we would just like us when we were growing up and the internet came and we're like 10 Mm -hmm. and you had like that dial-up thing and whatever now 15 20 years later yeah we're more digitally native than our parents we're actually still considered digital immigrants because it came into our life at a later stage not like right when we were born yeah so the kids that were even kids who were born in the late 90s early 2000s it's like gen z mostly Hmm. is considered digital natives because they were born into it and it was ubiquitous it was everywhere it's your parents have it schools have it it's um inescapable gotcha okay so digital natives are those okay so we are still the immigrants. It's yes. fine. Um, so on the one side, there is a positive from that perspective because technology is consistently advancing. So the more you understand it down the line, the better you can, the more tools you have to like manage your life and to do maybe the things that you want to do. So that's one side. Also from a parent's perspective, like like it give it does give them some, I think I see it as from looking at it on the positive side, it gives you just like, some time as a little bit of a break just to like you know yeah unwind so that you so that you can come back and be the parent that you parent them in the way that you want so that's one side now on the other side which is stuff probably that we've heard more often is even with things like I i forgot the name of that documentary that came out on netflix but i watched it and it was crazy like the people who built all these technologies mm-hmm. and built these apps don't even let their kids because they know how they've they've used psychology to do it and you know the where the color of the buttons and all these things and they don't even let their kids the people who made this and made us all addicted to this stuff don't even let their kids do that so that's all that should be also like a like a red flag <clears throat> so and also there have been a lot of things that have come out on studies on you know attention kids already don't have any attention but this is like you're almost amplifying that to a, a level that we would have never experienced and no one before our kids now would have experienced and what's the effect of that that's going to happen you know depression not being able to focus you know everything is you know inside and tech and you're in your world is you know in this yeah. phone so there's on both sides there's arguments for there's arguments against um, I think that against nowadays you hear about a lot more than before. So because also from a, another negative, from a social aspect, kind of like what you're saying with your kid, like, mama, all my friends are playing Fortnite. OK, yeah, if they're growing up and all their friends have access to these technologies and these phones and, you know, these apps and that's how they communicate and whatever. Do you even if you think that's the right thing that you're thinking long term, like, oh, you shouldn't have this you're also depriving them of something like maybe that social connection that you were talking about. And like, so, so there's, I could keep going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm sure. But so I guess the question becomes, how do you manage that? That's, and I don't know, I don't think there's a right answer. How do you manage it when it comes to your kids? Yeah. 
So okay. I'm just curious from your, at least yeah. maybe your experience and your perspective, how do you see the okay. right, right way to manage it? You're spot on with everything you said. Um, when I was doing my dissertation, uh, part of your dissertation is you have to do something called a literature review, which is where you review the existing literature on the topic that you're choosing to write about, all of it. And you critically analyze it to say, you know, whether the studies are good or the studies are not so accurate, how many participants were in them, what do they say, the number of topics, etc. My research was titled um, Digitally Parenting Preteens in the United Arab Emirates, and it was a cross-cultural qualitative study. Qualitative studies, the ones where they where, where you're analyzing words rather than numbers and statistics and data, usually come before quality. Quali they usually come before <laughs> quantitative studies gotcha. because they're exploratory in nature. You're exploring something that hasn't been explored. And when it comes to something called, so the term you're looking for is, is you know, in the literature called parental mediation. And it's basically the mediation strategies that we use with our kids to manage, guide, educate, you know, protect mm -hmm. our kids online. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to study that in the UAE because previous research has shown that um, the way we digitally parent, so digital par parenting and, and parental mediation is the same thing, so I'll use these interchangeably. The way we digitally parent is affected by many things, our socioeconomic status, our gender, our age, our own digital self-efficacy, how good are we at using mm. these things, all right? Um, but above all, culture plays a big role, believe it or not. Yet while all these studies are telling us that culture plays a role, none of them have explored parental mediation in different cultures. So I wanted to fill that gap. I wanted to add more qualitative studies, and I wanted to plug in the voice of parents into this black hole where, you know, recently we're starting to care about what parents think, right? All along with parental mediation, which, by the way, is a concept that started with television viewing in the late 80s. So when you talk about parental mediation, it's how you're controlling your kids watching TV. In a common space where you can see what they're watching and where they're, we're like five channels, right? Yeah. Um, parental mediation is very different today. And there's been this call to reconceptualize the entire research. So what I've come to see in my literature review is that the literature is split straight down the middle into two types of discourse. You've got the utopian one where the internet is not all doom and gloom. It's great. It's the, it's, you know, the future of our kids. They need to be... Uh, literate in ICT and all that stuff, okay? Uh, information computer technology. And uh, the dystopian. It's all doom and gloom. Rates of depression and anxiety are rising, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Then you've got people who say, well, the ones that say the internet is bad, uh, the, the ones that say the, inter the internet, and by internet, I mean all social technologies, yeah. right? Internet, gaming, devices, social media, the ones that say that it's good for you, there's the argument in the States that, you know, these are funded. They're funded by Microsoft and Apple mm -hmm. and all these, you know, big research companies. That was out of the mouth of a recent scientist that I spoke with, Dr. Vic Victoria Dunkley, who gave a wonderful talk in Parenthood, the, the Unconference in Abu Dhabi. And I had a chat with her. I'm like, you're clearly in the dystopian camp, right? You're clearly in the camp that... Um, and she has... 
a lot of reasons to believe so. She's a psychiatrist, award-winning, you know, psychiatrist, author of a book called The Reset Program. Um, I think it's the right name. I'll give it to you later. Um, where she studies brains, like she puts kids in an fMRI, and she has found that they're the gray matter of kids who play an, an insane amount of gaming or who are hooked on their devices. She's saying that cognitively today, children are three years behind their counterparts. So let's say you study like 10 year olds. Mm -hmm. Cognitively, 10 year olds today are three years behind 10 year olds in the 60s. Okay. Their cognitive gotcha. brain yeah, power yeah. Yeah, is yeah, three yeah. years lower. So it's as though they are seven year olds in the 60s, yeah. basically. Yeah. Right? Um, gray matter is decreasing, their attention is decreasing, etc. So you've got that kind of research. But then you've got parents like me who is seeing the benefit of social technologies if and only if you are making sure that your child is getting everything else that they need to grow and thrive. Mm. So daily movement, interactions with friends in real life, the ability to read a book and, you know, having a controlled amount on on technologies, not letting it take over their lives. And I'm going to be honest, it's not easy. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. And it depends on a character. There are so many studies coming out right now. The 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 research is growing. The, the, the demand for studies on parents is now evident because we're the gatekeepers to our kids. You can't have all these studies on all these children and preteens and teenagers studying their brains and stuff. And then you've got all these policymakers and stakeholders like, you know, the tech companies and the governments and all that. Everybody has a say, except the parents. <laughs> Where are our voices, right? So mm. this has become my passion. Like it's become my driving force because I am both someone in the shoes of other parents. I'm living the struggle. I'm trying really hard. I'm applying everything I know about parenting and stages and ages and stages and development and all of that and trying to see how being a good, well-rounded human has an effect on technology use. And I'm also on the research side. I've read it all. I've seen it all. I've, I'm still hoping to collaborate with other researchers around the world to improve the research in the region. And so this is where everything in my brain is going. Like, that's the direction. Do I have an answer? No, I don't have an answer. I don't think anybody has an answer. There's great books out there that are coming out, one of which is called Behind Their Screens by Dr. Carrie James and I think Elizabeth something. I'll, I'll, I'll also, you can link that <laughs> yeah. in, your, in your bio if you want. Um, there's books. There's a lot of books. Yeah. There's, you got to read. You got to see what, situation are you and your family facing in the moment you got to invest a little bit of your time and dedicate it towards the improvement of your family and you got to seek the resources and there are resources out there i'm hoping to become one of those resources for the arab world even though i'd like my my new endeavor to be in english obviously so that it reaches a lot of populations, but the work that me and we Sam do as well. So while we're a parenting podcast, a lot of our episodes are about digital technology. So one of our episodes, one of our most listened to episodes is called telephone. When are you going to buy me a phone? Mm -mm. I'm the last one in the class who doesn't have a phone. <laughs> Everyone in my class has a phone, right? Yeah. It's like, but even that episode today is old news. Today, it's like um, 
can I have TikTok? And if yeah. I don't have TikTok, I'm going to create an account without you knowing. Mm. Or the parents, like even worse, and I'm trying, I'd really like to not be judgmental. But you need to hold parents accountable. The parents who say, sure, have TikTok, and you're only nine, right? Um, aside from the fact that you're teaching your kid to lie because you have to be 12 or 13 to sign up for these apps, you're actually opening an app for them and lying about their age, um, put that aside. Again, it's the driver license metaphor. Mm. Are you going to put your kid in a car and tell them to drive off onto the highway before you teach them how to use it? No, you're not. Yeah. It's such a multifaceted. It's it's not going to be contained in an episode. Absolutely yeah, not. Yeah, I'm really no, sorry. I, no, no. I, like I, I, I never thought it would be. Yeah. I just wanted to get. Um, oh, but let me let me end with yeah. just an example, actually. Sure. So remember how we were talking about Fortnite? Yeah. Again, super old news. That was 2020. Yeah. My 10 year old today wants Discord. Oh, all right? Discord. Okay, but why? What are they? Why? Do because Discord? he's a gamer, like you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Discord is a platform now that's like the equivalent of WhatsApp, kind of, where you chat with people <laughs> on steroids, that's right? That's a great where, analogy. Where you're open to the entire world, where there are chat groups where you can talk to everybody and stuff. He's been asking me for Discord for a month, okay? okay. And a month in parent days is like, like three uh, years, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> dog years. Um <laughs> because you know, when a kid is like asking for something, it's not going away. The equivalent of that when I was a kid was hashtag. Stop bugging me with it. Yeah, the yeah. answer is no. Yeah. No. Yeah. The answer I gave my kids is the first time was Discord. Habibi, this is like 18 plus. Mom, no, all my friends are on it. I promise I'll put on all the, you know, security stuff. I don't know what. Let me think about it. Three days later, mom, did you think about Discord? <laughs> Actually, I've been really busy. You always do this to me. You're always busy. Can, can you promise me a time? Okay, I promise you this Saturday we will sit together and research it. All right. Saturday he comes to me. At this point, I'm not going to be, you know, someone. I want him to trust me. Uh, yeah. I genuinely was busy. I promised him a time. I'm going to commit. I'm going to sit my butt down. I'm going to do the research. Yeah. Sit next to me. Let's research this. So what I, what I wrote was Discord problems or discord cybersecurity, or discord children mm. and, and i go through this exercise with him oh first stop always common sense media common sense media discord you read parent what parents think you read are you familiar with common sense media no because no. you're not a parent so okay, parents okay. would know or the okay. ones who are into what their kids are doing online common sense media is an invaluable resource it's like a must-have. Can I watch this movie? One second, I'm going to common sense media it. Can I, you know, listen to this album? Can I, whatever it is. So like the Google for parents It's in a the way. Google for parents for digital stuff. So okay. all okay. the apps, okay. even books, mm -hmm. even movies, uh, everything, everything. I want to watch Avatar. Okay, let me Google it. Because even though it'll give you the age rating that the makers have given it, it'll give you the age rating that parents think it should be at. And it'll also give you the age rating that children think it should be at, mm. okay? And then it'll break it down for you of like the kind of content in that movie. So r positive role models, sex, uh, drugs, alcohol, swear words, mm -mm. you know? And then based on you and what you're comfortable with. So I'm okay with my kids listening to swear words. It's unavoidable. I'm not going to put my head in the sand and say they don't know what the F word is, right? <laughs> yeah, they sure. know. Yeah. And that's the kind of environment i've built with my kids don't swear but if you want to you know they come to me. 
mom, what's the C word? What's the, I don't know what's mm-hmm. word. And, and I cringe and I die inside. But then I go to myself, would I rather he Google it? Or would I rather give him? Yeah, but I should probably give it to him. I should give it to him myself because mm. two things happen here. One, you grow in their eyes. Like mom knows everything or mom is willing to share what she knows with me. You kill the curiosity bug, which mm. if he's not satisfied, he's going to go ask a friend or ask Google. Mm. Google first. Um, anyway, so we went on for Discord. We went on Common Sense Media. I started Googling terms of like, you know, Discord uh, problems or issues, Discord children, Discord this and that. We read through everything. And then Discord cybersecurity. And I went through that. And turns out I could give him Discord. Mm. In a managed way, if I turn off this and this and this and yeah. that, and if I trust my kid enough that someone said very, someone very smart online said, is your kid capable of going somewhere without you to a friend's house to buy something from the supermarket to go biking? If they are, then they're probably okay to have discord with supervision, Right. And so that's the path I'm taking mm. because I don't want my son to go to his friend's house who I already know have Discord and then have him fuel his curiosity there. Yeah. Let him fuel it in my house in the confines and safety of our home. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's that's just the most recent basic example I can give you. So Fortnite is old news. Old news yeah. We moved on from Fortnite to Roblox to Minecraft to whatever it is. And now we're like on. The one thing I held out the longest was Call of Duty. Why? Again, because I didn't have the time to research it. Uh, but okay. then when I actually really, really dug into the research and, yeah. and followed dad gamers, mm. you know? Yeah. I got a proper... Crit- I'm not going to sit and play Call of Duty. I just don't have the time for it. I did play and I did sit and play Fortnite with them because I had the time. It was pandemic. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is there's resources. Yeah. Find them. Find them. You yeah. have to be resourceful. You yeah. have to stay curious. Here I am again with my musts and shoulds and have tos. It's, you know, <laughs> Look, it would be great if yes. you were curious and yes. open-minded enough yes. to want to support and yeah. guide your children. But on it's funny, on that thing that you said, like the have tos and the shoulds, whatever, I think, look, you believe something so you believe something that and in our in your mind you think this is the right way this is what should be done yeah so it's only fair to say that i don't think there's a problem with like you saying it but i get what you're i get where you're coming from yeah. like oh it would be great but like no you have to you should i think that's would how i would be say great, it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you know you don't know other people's circumstances no of course you don't not. know what of they're struggling not. with yeah. and 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 it's it's uh, it's almost uh common right now to basically judge parents and their parenting someone quite i don't want to say influential but someone's quite instagram famous yesterday was posting about how rude it was to uh you know for parents who let their kids watch um youtube blasting it out loud in public like put headphones on your kid right it's so easy for us to judge parents it really really is and if being a parent taught me anything it's to give grace to people and mm. yourselves because everybody is at their own level mm-hmm. at their own stage yeah at wherever they are in the world and if we focused on ourselves instead of the outside world as hard as it is am i someone who doesn't get annoyed if someone's like blasting yeah. youtube peppa pig at like the lo- loudest <laughs> setting i'm not I'm, I'm i'm human i'm gonna go crazy as well yeah. 
But I'm gonna, instead of being like, how could people be so inconsiderate and, you know, entitled? I go to myself, everybody's going through something. And then I focus my mm. negative energy back to whatever it was I was doing. And if I'm in a wait, I'm gonna get up and go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. You know, if I can, unless yeah. it's an airplane. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I can't even imagine the difference. Yeah. Um, Luna, I think today we've discussed, like, especially the, this last portion, like you said, um, there is no one right answer to manage this whole digital side of things. Um, you can only, for every, like you said, for every paper that you say is a pro, you can find just as much research that Absolutely. says the opposite, you know, and that that's this. You can find that about anything in the world. Absolutely. There's nothing that the whole world is like, yeah, this is it. This is good. Um, and I think listening to you and using the, the parents and the children example is the missing link or not necessarily the middle ground, but that missing the voice of the parents in these types of researchers, in these types of discussions would at least even if it stays that way, like doom, like, you know, doom and gloom or like, you know, it's great, whatever. At least even in those instances, it will be more refined. Let's say that, you know, not just purely the research is the research, you know, that's what it shows. That's what it shows. Nothing, nothing to debate about that. But actually, there's a lot to debate about that. But no, in the, in the sense <laughs> that's of that's where the critical in sense of in. what her and from her perspective, yeah, the, yeah. that the doc you mentioned, what her findings oh, are. Oh, totally, yes. Yeah, this is these are the numbers. Yeah. Like, look here, I can show you a picture, whatever. Yeah. Okay, maybe you can't argue with an fMRI that's but, showing you that exact, brains are eighty percent smaller. Yeah, in that perspective, I get. But uh, sorry, not eighty <laughs> percent. <laughs> but are not what they were. Are basically. not what they do. Um, so. What I've learned today, first of all, I'm not a parent, but I think about, I'm about to get married, so I think about it a lot. Um, And I'm always, I've recently had, I'm starting to have more conversations with people because I want to learn, you know, I don't, I already know, I can already see the biases that I have. Mm -hmm. Um, And even though I see them now, I still think they will play out in some way or another. so it's just interesting for me to listen to other people who, you know, have kids. and But not just that. People, you know, I've had child psycho- a child psychologist on learning about, you know, how to manage these things, how to do all that. And one thing that she told me, um, her name is Dr. Hanin Jadra, uh, shout out. Um, she told me, I'm like, because I'm like, you're a child psychologist, right? You know, kind of like with the work you're going to be doing as a digital parent, you know, if I came to you with X problem, you would tell me, Khaled, this is what I think you should do. Great. But then you could have the same problem at home with like your own kids. And I asked her, I'm like, do you still like apply that? She's like, Khaled, there's pr- theory and then there's reality. Practice, yeah. Exactly, there's practice. It do- doesn't mean just because I know, doesn't mean that's how it is. Because again, there's the, all the 20 other million things about society, Absolutely. culture, whatever that are going to play into it when yes. it comes to your, your own kids. And that was something that was a very, uh, <laughs> I laughed a lot because I'm like, it, it made a lot of sense. I get it. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, so for my last two questions, Luna, I just to round off the, this fantastic podcast. I knew it'd be good just from our phone conversation. Oh, it's been a lot of thanks. fun. Um, these are questions I ask all my guests. Okay. So the first one is looking back either personally, professionally, whatever the case might be. If I ask you the question, what are you most proud of for yourself? What would you say? Mm, I am most proud of, absolutely, without a doubt, that I I had never even thought of that, but it just literally hit me in the face right now. I am most proud of 
the fact that I got to where I wanted and I hope and pray to God that it continues to be that way, which is that my kids, if they have anything, I'm their first source or like the first person they come and talk to. It was my intention from day one. It was my dream, my hope. It was why I suffered so much over the years <laughs> to get there. And it wasn't easy. Yeah, I'm sure um, it was. And I doubted myself a lot mm-hmm. because, again, I was trying to change something so fundamental, which was my internal voice. Because your yeah. parents' voice becomes your internal voice. Exactly. exactly. And here I was trying to fight it, right? Mm. And now I've learned to live with it, but to enhance it, right? Um, so that's my biggest, you know, pride and joy that yeah. my kids are close to me and they actually want to talk to me <laughs> and i pray that it stays that way yeah I, I hope it stays that way too uh but i think that's something a lot of times i've asked this question a lot of people say the things i'm most proud of are their kids but you're the first person to say i'm um, not that you're not proud of your kids but you're proud of that aspect yeah. you know the most um and i think honestly that like i can't imagine how hard that must have been to develop because it does take a lot of work on your part to make to mm. ba- build and maintain that relationship yeah. and keep it going, you know where it is, and now even moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and for my last question, Luna, what is the message that you'd like everyone to take home with them today? Ooh, <laughs> that's a big one. Oh, my message today. If I told anyone anything, it's you know, never stop learning. Like always, strive to to learn because the knowledge is out there, mm. okay? Sh- seek and you shall receive. Um, but give yourself grace and give yourself um, space. And perfectionism is a, tra- is a trait a lot of us are inflicted with and struggle with, particularly in our culture, particularly women, right? We're trying to always be the perfect daughter, the perfect wife, the perfect mother, again, because of we are programmed to please other people right and so in whoever is listening man or woman you know in your journey for self-improvement and I don't think there's anyone today who isn't on some level on one form or the other of you know self-improvement yeah journey in whether it's like physical fitness food and dietary, children, again, because we're bombarded by everything. It's all out there. You're going to fail, and that's okay. Um, It's going to be hard, and that's okay. And uh, you'll get there if you have the right goal and if your goal aligns with your values. So that's what I would leave people with. I don't think it gets any any, any better than that. I think that's a beautiful way to end the show. A lot of things that, that I resonate with too, you know, uh, never stop learning. I think that's something that I I always try to do. Um, that's kind of what this podcast has been yeah. for me. You know, every episode is a, a different topic, a different person, a different situation. And, I've, and I'm always learning, so it's fantastic. You know, I do the podcast for me first and then, you yes. know, for other people because <laughs> as long as I'm interested, I'll learn and that's a good thing. Um, Luna, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show today. This really has been so much fun, so easy, such a f- very interesting conversation. There's a lot of things I've learned from you and I think anything, um, anyone listening to this episode, whether you're a parent, whether you're concerned about these things, where you're about to be a parent, whatever, I think there's a lot 
that people can take away um, and walk away with. So thank you so much for that. If people want to work with you, connect with you, reach out, how can they get in touch? First of all, thanks a lot. I'm truly grateful to be here. Thank you. Um, I really enjoyed this too. And uh, if people want to connect currently, it's um, at mishbilshibshib. Maybe you can link the correct spelling in the bottom. And uh, we always check our uh, Instagram account. You can get to meet with Sam. Um, He gives a wonderful father perspective. And uh, we're always available. We check Instagram the most, but you can also email us, mishbilshibshib at gmail.com. Okay. And uh, yeah, in the future soon, maybe at the digital parent. Yes, (laughs) coming soon, coming soon. That's when we'll do round two. Thank Uh, you. Luna, thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. Um, Guys, to everyone listening, as always, thank you for listening. Please like, follow, share, and subscribe to the podcast at hope.it.helps with two S's on Instagram. And as always, guys, hope it helps. Peace.